Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Hey guys, Eric Bischoff here, and just want to call a quick timeout. I want to tell your listeners about what I've been telling everybody at over at 83 Weeks for quite a while now. About all the cool things that are happening over at adfreeshows.com. We get a peek behind the curtain on an all-new edition of The Insiders as Conrad sits down with former WWE writer and current Impact producer Jimmy Jacobs. You start to realize that you're one weird interaction with events away from being in doghouse or being fired. Wow. And then you just start to behave in a way to try to not get fired. And then your ideas become ideas in an effort to not get fired. And pretty soon you have a whole bunch of people that are playing to not lose. Want to pick the brain of the Father? We just celebrated episode 50 of Ask Conrad, our Q&A mailbag series where Conrad answers your questions. So to me, Solo kind of has the Arn Anderson syndrome right now, where Arn was as good of a wrestler as anybody on the card, but because he's standing next to Ric Flair, he's just not going to get that opportunity. And even if he did, I think fans would say, oh yeah, I love Arn, but why isn't Rick here? Uh, and it feels a little bit like shake and bake in the old Talladega Nights. And I understand the Will Ferrell character was winning all the time, but what if the other fellow won? What if Mr. John C. Riley won? And I think that's kind of the solo circumstance. If you're looking for interactive experiences, ad-free shows members can now take part in the live tapings of the podcast and are now part of the show. Eric Jones, Josh Henney, Nathan, Mitchell, Coach Rosie, RJ, Amy's here. She came to the Testicle Festival. That's awesome. We get like one or two women, you know, every once in a while, and I just love it when we do. Um, thank you all for doing this with us. This is kind of fun. Amy Vaughn's here. Hey, Amy! This is fun. I dig this. This is a different kind of energy. I don't know why. Uh, yeah, you're, you're performing for a crowd now. It's not just me anymore, right? We're, we're That's just a small taste of what we've got waiting for you. With four levels to choose from, see for yourself why ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com.
Welcome back to another edition of Grilling JR with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. I am going to be your pinch hitter guest host today. Cassio, how's it going, JR? I'm good, man. I'm good. Conrad still doesn't have a Wi Fi out here. He should pay his tab. <laughs> he should just pay his tab. It's also a snowstorm here, which, uh, really? that, that kept the, uh, the internet guys from coming to his house today. Uh-oh. Uh, oh. he, you know where he's at up on that big mountain. None of the cars could get over. They're all abandoned on the road right now. So, wow. Well, luckily we have Casio ready to roll. So <laughs> we are ready to roll when we're, we're looking at the 10th annual Starcade JR, which is going to feature the second lethal lottery and the battle bowl battle Royal. Uh, if you want to interact with us on social media, hashtag grilling JR Starcade 92, uh, JR, an interesting part of this is because sting won last year. So he automatically gets a spot in the lethal lottery this year. Not really an accomplishment yet. Is it? No, not quite, but uh, he's getting there. He's getting there. The build of sting continues to slowly drag its feet on. So all this sting stuff should have been happen should have happened. Uh, a year or two earlier, in my opinion, but nonetheless, uh, we'll tell that story. It means that sting will be working double duty because he'll be taking on Vader in the finals of the King of cable tournament. You think this tournament did anything for anybody looking back, JR? Well, it was marketable. You know, I think the match with sting and, and, uh, Vader was one that folks were curious to see. So from that standpoint, yeah, I think it helped a lot. Um, we're also supposed to have ravishing Rick rude, challenging Ron Simmons for the WCW world title keywords. There are supposed to, because before we get to that, Jim, this will be the final pay-per-view you ever do for WCW going into the show. Was that an even uh, a thought that crossed your mind? Not really. Uh, uh-uh. no, I, I mean, I knew that my future long-term future was elsewhere. Uh, so, and I, and I, I don't say that with glee. I enjoyed living in Atlanta. I enjoyed working for WCW most, uh, more often than not, you know, when Eric took over, he had different plans for the sound of the show. Uh, and, uh, so it pretty well let me know my destiny and it wasn't as a broadcaster for him at that point in time. So that was unfortunate, but in, in any event, uh, there's always work someplace and I found that work someplace else and it worked out. Okay. <laughs> Pretty good place to end up at for a while. Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a lot going on in the run up to Starcade. Uh, a lot of it changes in the roster. This is from the observer as of 12, one, the Steiners were officially released from WCW and on the Jim Ross radio show this past Sunday, Ross talked about the Steiners going to the WWF while Bill Watts commented on the 900 number saying that he got along great with Rick but not with Scott, Jim, walk us through these issues with the Steiners. Do you think it was just about the WWF? Uh, well, I think they wanted out. They didn't like the experience in WCW. Things are so, uh, somewhat, uh, you know, cluster, uh, cowboy got along great, as he said with the Rick, but most people did. And, uh, the issue with Scotty, you know, Scotty's a very, has a very volatile, explosive personality. And so does cowboy. And sometimes when the boss and one of your top stars have the same philosophies in that respect, uh, it could lead to some, some, uh, egregious issues, shall we say? So, but that's, that's, uh, that's just not unusual. I mean, 
but Scott was a very high strung guy and cowboy right. was too. So, you know, no surprises there really, quite frankly. Were you sad to see the Steiners go? Oh, hell yeah. You was one of the best tag teams in the entire world. You know, absolutely. I thought they were a great addition to anybody's roster. I was always just curious of how they would be utilized in uh, WWE uh, with their style being as physical and as aggressive as it was. Uh, there are some guys there, I'm sure, that, in some tag teams that uh, weren't relishing the fact that this team's coming in that may be the answer to uh, the tag team issues. Who's going to be the king of the tag team mountain there? Uh, my money's on the Steiners. and uh, But they were going to be more physical than a lot of the other teams. Uh, that are, are currently competing there because the main event ratings continue to be unable to break the two plane. They had the classic flare steamboat match from Chicago this past Sunday. And we'll be airing flare funk this coming week. This is an interesting concept to me, Jr. the decision to highlight a man who's currently on the other channel to help sagging ratings. Is this a shot at the talent that's on the roster? I don't think it's a shot. I just think it's smart booking. We didn't have what they, <clears throat> we didn't have in house, pardon me, what the fans really wanted to see by evidence by the ratings. So you got to find something that's going to be draw some more eyeballs to your, to your television and to your network. So I, I don't, I don't think it was a shot at the other guys other than you might, it might be a tap on the shoulder that, Hey, you fellas need to get over. Right. And it's going to take extra effort and planning and uh, all that good stuff. So. No, it didn't bother me. If you don't want other guys to be on the show, then my suggestion is to, uh, get over and <laughs> draw the ratings yourself. Yeah, they won't have to bring in anybody else. Nope. On TBS, it airs on 12, five rude and Vader beat Simmons and sting when rude pinned Simmons after an illegal knee drop off the top and a rude awakening to set up the Starcade title match. Vader also issued a challenge to rude for either the U S title or the world title. If rude wins it. Rick rude versus Ron Simmons. To me, this is a great idea of a match, but do you think it was a world title match? Uh, yeah, I think so. I mean, Ron was a champion, right? Right. Yeah. Why not? So, uh, both big box office guys, big, got great name identity, main event status. So, uh, Hey, look, things are so desolate and, uh, somewhat demoralizing in WCW at that time, you're just. You're trying to find star power and find an interest in a match that you hope you can catch lightning in a bottle. And right. until you do it, until you try it, you really don't know how it's going to work out. The storyline on TV for Simmons rude will be that Medusa has somehow procured a favor from Simmons doctor and gotten his medical records. And they found out he has a secret collarbone injury and they're going to try and take advantage of it to get the title. An interview's already done. Rude promises Vader a shot at the world title rather than the U.S. title since he says he's going to win it. This is an interesting story, and the idea of Rude versus Vader is very appealing. Who's the babyface in that scenario if we had gotten there? Do you know? Well, that's, been a good, that's a good question. I'm not sure. My tendency would be that it's probably going to be uh, uh, Rude. But because of the size difference, he's outmanned. He's, you know, Vader's so much bigger the big bully type thing. Right. So I'm guessing it would be Vader, but you know, if you got a lot of heel fans, uh, in the, in attendance, it, it may not be, but I, my guess would be, would be uh, rude would be the face. Yeah. I mean, B Vader's he's big, bad, and, and, uh, uh, you know, intimidating. 
he can't really change that. He's always going to be big and bad. Easier yep. for Rude maybe to adapt in that situation. But at the 12-1 WCW Pro Tapings, they taped two hot matches in Pillman and Wyndham versus Rhodes and Armstrong and Steamboat and Douglas versus Vader and Rude. Simmons and Atlas had a main event match so bad, I was told that it shouldn't ever air on television, says The Observer. Was this just the plight of the WCW at the time? You have some great matches, but Ron was just not carrying his weight in the ring to hold the title, or considering he's working with Tony Atlas, he was doing what he could. I think the latter is more is more uh, believable, right? Cassio, uh, uh, the uh, you know Tony was well past his prime. Tony got hired because he looked great. He was African American. He had a lot of name identity. Like this shirt I'm wearing. See here? It's a brand. When you hear this show, I'm probably in Orlando going to the Cheez Its Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Florida State challenging my Sooners. So, uh, good week for me in that respect. Uh, so, but anyway, also, I'll tell you, it used to be that you could fly on Christmas and it's pretty simple, pretty clear. Not a lot of people were flying. Throw that concept out the window. <laughs> I flew on Christmas back from Oklahoma after oh, seeing most of no. my family. Uh, it's just funny. You know, you get the older you get, you find that your kids have lives. Yes. I, I say that somewhat facetiously, right? but they got things they want to do too. And Christmas comes once a year for them as well. So I didn't get to see my grandchildren on this visit, which was very disappointing. Uh-oh. And, uh, but the flight back was what it was. I sat by a couple of nice people. We had a nice chat and shot the breeze. It was good. So don't, if you're going to fly, you can't fly at a good time during the holidays. No, no you can't find them. You're not going to find the magic formula. So, <laughs> but I got back and, uh, so the rest of the week's planned and my driver's going to take me down to Orlando and I'm going to look forward to seeing that game. I don't know that we can win. But it's going to be fun to go watch them play. Uh, buddy, I'll sign up anytime you hear the words Oklahoma versus Florida State. That sounds like a good college football game to me, son. Yeah, me too. I hope so, yeah. Casio. From the Observer, Greg Anya was introduced to the guys backstage at the center stage tapings on 12 7. He's expected to become a new member of the creative team. Jim, talk to me about the decision to bring Greg in. Is this a Watts idea? And do you think Greg contributed anything to the product? Well, uh, I think it was a favor to, to, uh, Greg's dad, Vern, okay. who, who did plenty of good things, uh, in, for Cowboys career back in the early days. Uh, he had plenty of product knowledge. Never would say he didn't. I don't know what specifically he contributed a, a idea for a program. There probably were some there, right? <laughs> I got no issues with Greg Gagne whatsoever. Uh, but, uh, we thought that he would help. A guy with product knowledge, a guy that had plenty of in-ring time, who grew up in a wrestling family. All the boxes were checked. You would think it would be a, a, a good deal. So, uh, but I don't know how good a deal it was. Uh, I don't think it was a major failure, but I think that uh, it could have been a lot better. Paul Orndorff would return and team with Rick Rude at TV and then beat Brad Armstrong. What does someone like Orndorff add to your locker room? Well, he was a tough guy, reliable. Cowboy loved him. He loved his toughness. You know, Paul, Paul really broke loose and he got his career, uh, jump started in mid South and, uh, you know, coming in for, he was a favor to Eddie Graham to bring in Paul Orndorff to, uh, 
mid South and, and get a shot at working on top. And he did, he did a good job too. Uh, working baby face or heel or North was just good. His intensity was unmatched. Uh, and he was high strung. Uh, he's a little, he was a little like Scott Steiner. He was very high strung. So, uh, but yeah, I, I think that was a good, uh, that was a great addition for mid South. I don't know how much gas Paul had left in the tank by the time he got to WCW. Right. Uh, but he had a lot of name identity and, uh, that helps for a brand that didn't have anybody hot to speak of. So I was uh, glad that Bill hired. I always liked Paul. He left us too soon. He's a good guy. Former running back at uh, Tampa, uh, a college running back. So, and we all cowboy and I always drifted toward the athletes from football. It's funny how that works out, but you just find they're generally more mentally tough, physically tough. They fit well into a locker room as a rule. So guys coming from mainstream sports generally have, uh, are good contributors in the, uh, in the, in the locker room. As we talk about hashtag grilling Jr. Starcade 92, Larry Zabisco is now the full-time commentator on Saturday nights here in 92. What did you think of Larry as a commentator? And are you in charge of making that decision? Well, I wasn't in charge, but I had influence because I was asked who I wanted to work with. Right. So Larry was a, he's a character. All right, let's talk about Bruno. <laughs> let's tell my Bruno stories. Can we talk about Bruno Jr. I wasn't Jr. then I was just Jim. Larry was, a Larry was very talented and had a great gift to gab. Uh, and I, I, I had no problem. I, I enjoyed working with Larry. He was, he was uh, unique and, uh, but that was a cowboy hire and, and I was fine with it. Quite frankly, I just thought Larry would do a, would do a good job. It's just, you know, the, you gotta have a product to broadcast. You gotta have a product that you can sink your teeth into a little bit. And, uh, I don't know that the creative group provided that quite honestly. So, uh, and, and the talents, the talents could have been more, uh, forthcoming. The talents could have been more aggressive and getting over and things of that nature. But, uh, you know, Larry was a veteran, you, you know, you, you just gotta believe that he's going to be, uh, he's going to do okay. Polly dangerously scheduled for a few matches with Medusa over Christmas week. Although he's telling people he won't be working those matches since his contract is as a manager and a commentator and not a wrestler. He once again, wasn't booked for television tapings this week. Paul and bill just couldn't get along. Could they? No, no. Paul was, uh, Paul was a, a phenomenal talent. You know, I saw that early on and I knew that his role, uh, was best suited to be a commentator. He's a great talker, smart guy. He just had presentation skills. He's one of those guys that when I first came up with the, I said this about Vince many times, it's better to converse with Vince than to confront Vince on a concept or an idea. And, uh, Paul Heyman fit in that same category. He was very confrontational, uh, very verbal. And, uh, I think in a way that's good, but you got to know your limits. You got to know where you got to step off the bus and uh, let it move on. So, uh, but Paul's a very a real unsung talent, uh, there that just wasn't utilized very much because he couldn't get along with everybody. You don't have to get along with everybody. Let me correct myself, but you got to get along with a decision maker. Right. And that was challenging for Paul to do. And it has been in every company he's worked for, but now he's, you know, one of the most valuable assets in WWE. 
uh, he, he, he's a huge contributor to their success and I'm happy for him because, you know, we've had a lot, we had a lot of fun together. You know, I, I got a DUI and lost my driver's license. So he was, a, he was appointed my driver by me. And the only frustrating part of that was he was never on time. <laughs> so, you know, but it was all right. I, I had just real one for a driver. Be on time. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's kind of important. <laughs> yeah. know, know where you're going and be there on time. <laughs> but I, 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 I enjoyed my experiences with Paul still do. I don't, I haven't talked to him in so long. I guess the old rule of you can't talk to the enemy, quote unquote, enemy is, uh, still applicable in the wrestling business. Uh, <laughs> you know, there's a few guys at WWE that I still communicate with just because they're friends. Right. Uh, but, uh, and I, but not much, not much. Hell, I don't talk to many guys in AEW, so <laughs> it's not, that it's not, a, it's not a, it's not a huge deal at my stage of the game. I don't need your, your hugs, but you know, they're nice to get, but you don't need them. But you, you haven't not talked to him because of a beef. It's just job circumstances. Who, me and just, Paul? Yes. Just no, life hell no, no beef, no beef at all. None at all. He's, uh, I consider him a good friend. Do you remember giving him any early advice after seeing him up close? Uh, yeah. Uh, learn to talk in sound bites and not run on sentences. Uh, put your meat of your statement in the front part of your presentation. So don't give me a, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then finally pay off your, your, uh, your, your inclusion with something with your punchline, so to speak. Right. And that's kind of what he, where he was. It's like, you know, you doing radio, you know, you, you know, you know where to put the material that's going to, that's going to move the needle. You put it first. Yeah. You don't, don't let me build up and look on and on and on. And that and he had a little that he always had something to say. And in the beginning, he wanted to orchestrate more of our commentary. Okay. Now you say this and I'm going to get this in. Well, I don't, I said, I don't work that way. We can get your line in if that's important to you. I'll make sure that happens, but to make sure it's all uh, whittled down and edited and, uh, packaged, uh, not my style. I think it comes off as un unnatural. And, uh, and he understood that that's how I worked and I was the lead guy. So you kind of have to, no matter if I was doing the lead or somebody else was that person has to be appeased to some degree. And so, uh, once we got past that, uh, we were off and running. I thought we had a hell of a combination. Hey man, let me give you a little life hack just in time for mother's day and father's day. I'm talking about paintyourlife.com. That's the place where you can get a gift that mom or dad will never forget. Real quick, do you remember what you got mom or dad last year for Mother's Day or Father's Day? Well, here's how you give a gift that they'll never forget. You find something that's meaningful, something that's personal. Maybe we're talking about their mom or dad who's no longer here. Maybe it's about a long lost relative. Maybe it's about their favorite pet who's no longer with us. Maybe there was always this dream that mom and dad were going to vacation to some exotic tropical island, but they never quite made it there. Well, all of those dreams can become reality at paintyourlife.com. You simply upload those photos. You can even use a photo right out of your phone. They can even help you combine photos to create one unique memory. You'll pick the artist. You'll even pick the medium. Hey, do you want an oil, acrylic, watercolor, charcoal? You can even pick the frame. The whole process is less than five minutes to get started. You can get it in as little as two weeks, but along the way you work hand in hand to ensure that. The artist is nailing it. They're getting exactly what you wanted and you're going to get that reaction you wanted from mom or dad. 
I'm telling you, this has been a home run for me. I've used it for my mom, for my dad, for my father-in-law, for my cousin, for my wife. It's great for any occasion, but with mother's day and father's day right around the corner, how do we show the people who gave us everything that we really care? I don't think you can beat a meaningful gift like this from paintyourlife.com. And if you're looking to give the best and most meaningful gift you've ever given, paintyourlife.com can hook you up. And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. You can get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. Now, to get this special offer, just text the word Ross to 87204. That's Ross to 87204. Text R-O-S-S to 87204. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Message and data rates may apply. See paintyourlife.com slash terms for details. And thank you to today's sponsor, Fansly. Fansly has the adult content you crave by creators you already know and plenty that you don't. What's your taste? Vanilla? Not vanilla. Maybe a weird combination? Cool with us. Fansly has a whole algorithm dedicated to finding new content and creators you're into. Fansly allows you to discover and support a huge number of creators. Feet picks, water shorts, whatever you're into, Fansly is too. With a broad array of vanilla to kinky content and hundreds of thousands of creators, Fansly has the content you didn't even know you wanted. Don't know what you're into? Well, don't worry. Fansly can figure it out with their discoverability algorithm. Think TikTok, but you know, different. Looking for something safe for work? Well, Fansly has content for every time of day, but they don't know your schedule. Want to get started as a content creator yourself? Well, Fansly makes it easy to start your very own small business from the comfort of your <clears throat> bedroom or wherever the content takes you. The Fansly team is dedicated to supporting your journey. They're here to make you money, helping you grow your community, takedowns of the content and everything else. And they're going to help you every step of the way. Fansly is dedicated to providing a safe and reliable platform for content creators of all type, because guys, sex work is real work. Listen up folks, we know what this ad's about, and if you don't, well, you're in for a long night. I threw it in my Google machine and boy howdy. Well, as they say, business is about to pick up and we've got a special deal for our listeners. Go to fansly.com slash promo slash JR for a free extended trial subscription to one of our favorite content creators. Just use the code JR at checkout. All the content on fansly.com. Who knows what you'll find? Uh, feet pics, your neighbor Jenna. Feet pics from your neighbor Jenna. Again, that's fansly.com slash promo slash JR. And the promo code is JR. Thanks, Fansly. Jared, let me tell you what else is a hell of a combination. That's our new sponsor, Camper Max. Excited to introduce everybody to a whole new family opportunity of building memories year round. Camper Max, specializing in max discounted pricing on travel trailers and fifth wheel RVs delivered anywhere in the lower 48. That's right, from your office, cell phone, or your couch. Click or call and find out how easy it is to start enjoying the RVing lifestyle. Maybe that's your New Year's resolution to get out a little bit more with an RV. You can see the country. How easy is it? The Camper Max discount will fit in any budget, offering easy financing with extended terms. It's just too easy. 
Visit CamperMax.com. That's CamperMAXX.com. Or call 256-320-7033. That's 256-320-7033. Or CamperMax.com. Home of the Max discount. By the way, if you're looking to purchase a motorhome, hang in there. My buddy Rod is working on that now. He is the man. I know Rod personally. He will take care of you. CamperMax.com. Proud sponsor of Friend, friend of the show, as they say. I never yes. really understood what the fuck that meant. He's a friend of the show. <laughs> what does he do for you? You pay your bills? You cook your breakfast? <laughs> oh, he's a friend of the show. He's uh, he's brought me a beer at a get-together at Conrad's, so I think that's a friend, right? Uh, yeah, I, I, there, there you go. Now, see, you got concrete evidence. <laughs> concrete evidence uh check them out they've got the max discount which is concrete evidence of how much they're going to take care of you at campermax.com all right jr van hammer continued his new push winning the arm wrestling tournament beating big van vader in the semis and ron simmons in the finals how the hell do you convince vader and ron simmons to lose to van hammer in an arm wrestling tournament i don't know i think maybe they were drugged <laughs> just Van Hammer winning anything made no sense to me. <laughs> to be honest with you, he was an okay guy. There's nothing. It's not a bad person, right? He just wasn't ready, and that's what we find about. And a lot of our, our these shows, uh, when I say somebody is in a, a less than positive way, it's generally because they're simply not experienced enough to take that next step. And uh, I'll tip my hat. Uh, that cowboy was trying to get this guy over cause he kind of looked like the new wave and, and you know, the music and all that good stuff, but it was a futile effort. It was just not, it wasn't time. And no matter what we did, we were, we weren't going to get him ready to rock and roll yet. I'm not saying it could never have been, but he wasn't ready yet. And uh, I wish he had been, we needed, we needed somebody to get over. Right. And because everybody's floundering in uh, you know, la la land, so to speak. So I, I, uh, it just was not going to work at that point in his career and in what we were doing, but, uh, it was a, it was an interesting thing. Look, the guys are more likely to lose a, there's a couple of things fans probably don't understand and, and maybe they do. I don't mean to sound, you know, high and mighty, a talent will, will be more willing to lose a very quick match because they can kind of push it off to being a little bit, uh, uh, fr uh freakish. Uh, upset wise, not supposed to happen, blah, blah, blah. And they can explain their way out of it easier than going to having a six or eight, 10 minute match and losing that same thing goes for arm wrestling. It's not considered as much of a negative when the talents that are losing than if they were losing a wrestling match. So I think that's kind of the reasoning that, or at least my take on the reasoning that, that, uh, uh, Van Hammer. Uh, was so, uh, was able to beat some pretty powerful dudes and he was a big guy and all that good stuff, but, uh, he just wasn't ready. And that's not a, again, a, a knock on him as an individual. It's just that he had not had the experience in the time he hadn't worked a bunch of territories, mm -hmm. all the things that we go back in time and look at that made somebody successful. Well, he had, he worked in three or four territories. Uh, he was on the road learning his craft for a couple of years, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, the business had changed so drastically 
and with a lack of territories, it really exposed those rosters uh, that were somewhat inexperienced and were not ready for prime time. It's also reported in the Observer that the Omni will be curtained off for eight thousand for Starcade rather than the normal sixteen thousand. Is that a disappointment? Does Cowboy look at this as a failure after all he tried to do to make the Omni the MSG of the South? Oh, probably had a few ruffle feathers, hurt feelings, but we didn't have anybody over that's going to sell those extra tickets. Right. And so you want to come, com, you know, uh, make it more compact, make it look better. Uh, 8,000 is still a, uh, a goal. It's a good, it's a great goal. If you can get 8,000, I don't think we got 8,000 in that building in any time during Cowboys tenure. I might be wrong on that, but I don't, I don't remember it. There's a lot of talk about with Greg at Ganya coming in. There's also some changes coming with a booking committee being the plan from the observer at press time. The rumor mill, it has it that starting with when WCW comes back from Christmas, there will be a booking committee in place. Actually, the fact will be a committee is a certainly certainty. It's just that the names aren't involved yet. Despite many rumors to the contrary, it appears that Dusty Rhodes is going to stay on as part of the committee, although surely his estimated $300,000 salary was sliced and diced by Bill Watts. However, there probably was nowhere else for Rhodes to go to earn whatever Watts offered him to stay. Watts, rumor has it, will head the committee. Besides Rhodes, other names bandied about, most of which I'd say are close to locks for the group, are Jim Ross, Greg Gagne, Bill Dundee, who gave notice in Memphis that he was starting 1225 with WCW in the office. Mike Graham and Larry Zabisco. Graham, in theory, is filling Terry Allen's spot since Allen is home after breaking his wrist, although nobody expects Allen back anytime soon. Ole Anderson appears to be a name passed over, although his name added to the list wouldn't shock anyone either. A lot to digest there, but why was Bill thinking a committee was the way to go here, Jim Ross? Were were there plans of you to be on there? Like it was mentioned. Oh yeah, absolutely. I took notes. I, I didn't have to go to the airport and catch a plane. Uh, it got frustrating. That's what I'm trying to say. And I lived there. I lived there in Atlanta pronoun boy. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And cowboy wanted me close to the situation because I oftentimes brought logic. He also lived in Atlanta. And so that means that after these meetings are over, oftentimes he wanted to have a, another meeting with just me to summarize what we had just talked about and how we're and the next step for us, our group, our creative group. I thought, uh, we had too many people on the committee. I thought, I didn't think we needed this many people on that committee. Uh, but you know, my, my thoughts on that fell on deaf ears because at the end of the day, Cowboy was going to make the decision. He just, he was looking for people that would give ideas that he could connect with and get behind. And all the guys that you've mentioned, uh, were certainly, you know, talented and, and experienced. Uh, but it's the same old agenda. Guys wanted to be heard. They wanted to increase their, 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 uh, uh, value. They wanted to make more money. And a lot of them still thought they could still wrestle and draw better than the guys that they were looking for. And that's always a problem. Talk to me about, uh, Bill Dundee and Mike Graham, two names mentioned on that list. Why do you think there was talk of them of being in creative? Well, uh, Dundee had such a great track record with, uh, 
with Cowboy and Mid South. You know, he was. We got him in that in that Memphis deal where we put the rock and roll to get rock and roll came in. Cowboy created the Midnight Express. I made that talent trading that included Rick Rude, by the way. And uh, so Bill was. Bill Dundee had a had a had a resume that that had was productive. Dundee had great ideas. You know, Dundee was a uh, involved in creative for a guy that can stay in one territory as long as he did, uh, has says something about their creativity and their survival techniques. So I thought Dundee was probably uh, of all the guys that were brought onto the committee. Dundee probably might've, might've been the most unsung due to the group. Uh, Mike Graham had been out of wrestling for a while, but Bill always felt like he owed Eddie something and Eddie Graham, Mike's father. And much like, much like his deal with the Greg Anya. You know, Cowboy paid, paid debts back and he gave there, those guys that helped Cowboy, he gave their, their sons a chance to get back in the payroll game and get back and making money. But sometimes, uh, it didn't work out as all as, as planned as we saw here, this, this committee was too big. It had too many different voices. It was a little bit unruly at times. And, you know, you don't want guys to not get their idea accepted and then, then leave. And then talk to the talents that got turned down and say, well, I was pushing for you, but so-and-so didn't like you, or I was pushing for you, but cowboy just wasn't going to buy it. You don't leave and say stuff like that. It's just not healthy. So, uh, but that's kind of the story. Cowboy paid back a lot of old debts, uh, helped a lot of guys that, you know, Dundee didn't have, uh, Dundee needed to needed work and Mike Graham needed work. You know, Dusty wanted to keep his gig. He was making good money. Uh, at least there for a while. So it was, uh, interesting times, uh, Casio to say the least with all these dudes. You remember what happened to Magnum around this time? Well, Magnum, his health was an issue. Travel was an issue. God bless him. You know, he's a, and he, but he was smart and, uh, it, that job meant a lot to him, but I don't know if it was a deal where he and dusty just had seen too much of each other. I don't know. Could have been, could have been. I enjoyed working with Terry. The thing about Terry Allen, he was never late. He was always on time. Uh, it wasn't easy for him to get on an airplane or in a car in his condition after the car accident that almost killed him and crippled him. Uh, he took, he, he did that out of love of the game and, and old school work ethic. But I don't know what I don't know what the final straw that broke the, the camel's back or whatever the, the, the stupid cliche is. Uh, but he just, uh, you know, it was tough on him. And I always had a lot of empathy for Terry. He hit the ground running. He's got a great job. He's had a great job for a long time with benefits, things a lot of us would take for granted. Uh, he 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 landed on his feet, and uh, I'm very happy for that. His family's healthy. He's got two beautiful twins. He's one of my favorite people because what he's endured and what was taken away from him shouldn't be taken away from anybody. That's his career. What was, uh, Ole and Ole Anderson and Bill Watts relationship like? Oh, they had a lot, a lot in common. Ole and cowboy, they're both bullies, uh, both smart, both have run territories, own territories. See things like that would be an example of what I would say being too big, the committee being too big. I mean, Cowboy could have used 
a, a committee half that size. And I think Ole had a role in that. He could have had a role in that if he just wanted to play. He didn't play well with others. Right. He's one of those old school guys that he needed to be in charge. He needed to be the, he needed to have that C on his Jersey that he needed to be the captain. And, uh, so quasi boss, but Ole had great instincts and, and, uh, smart God dang, he was really smart, but he was just hard to get along with. And if his ideas didn't get accepted, then he had no issues sticking up about that. Uh, and that's just not the way you conduct business in that environment. Ole had never been in that environment in his entire long-term tenure of being in pro wrestling. He'd never been in that environment. He didn't know the rules of engagement, shall we say, but I think Ole and Cowboy could have been a hell of a team if, uh, if, if they had both been willing to give a little bit more, take less, uh, I'd like to see what they developed over time. If they simply just get along. From the observer rude, who was in Greensboro, but didn't work because of his shoulder injury was reportedly jumped in the parking lot by someone a lot larger than he was. Rude flattened the guy with one punch. The guy came back later and wound up with his face introduced to the hood of several different cars. How often did this type of stuff take place 30 years ago? It seemed like this would be out of the business at this point, but there's always someone isn't there, JR. Oh yeah. Unfortunately, <laughs> Rude just did. I, I think Ricky was tired. I think he was wore out. He's had a lot of injuries or, you know, Leighton just, just seemed like it never got better. Uh, I said this on one of our shows recently, uh, when Conrad showed up for work and, uh, that was, uh, that was, <laughs> we hired, we had WWE, we brought in rude as a manager type person. One thing about being a manager is that all managers are expected to be able to take bumps. Rick had a bad back and taking bumps was, uh, iffy at best. So why we would spend big money and it was big money as I recall, uh, on a guy that, uh, couldn't take bumps. It's kind of a prerequisite in the, in the, in the world of pro wrestling. So, uh, but I, I don't know. Rick was had a, that amazing run for Vince and I think it spoiled him a little bit. He made great money. Uh, he kind of picked his spots a little bit as far as, uh, or who he's working with and and who he wanted to work with and things like that. So, uh, it was just tough. It was tough as you know, to really pinpoint the situation. I just think he was tired. I think he was, he was, had, he was in a lot of pain constantly. And for somebody that's been in pain for a year, right. as we speak, uh, you know, shit, I could, I could identify with it. It gets old, man. It gets Not just old. the physical part. It starts draining on you mentally as well. Absolutely. It sure does, man. I mean, I, I, I have, a, I've had scenarios here lately where I have my wound doctor appointment on, uh, Tuesdays, Tuesday morning. And I, when that appointment comes up, there are a lot of Monday nights where I don't hardly sleep at all because I'm just dreading going and getting this, uh, this crevice scraped out of dead, dead mater uh, material lack of a better word, but you just get tired of the pain and, you know, I'm not one to thank God. There are other ways to address your pain than taking uh, heavy duty narcotics. So, uh, and it, not that I don't take my prescription medicines, but I try to watch how much I ingest quite frankly. And it's not, it's, it's a, it's a process. 
So uh, I, I got a lot of empathy for those guys are in constant pain. Uh, it's just, God dang, it's a hard, it's a hard situation to deal with. Some guys need a break. Like, like Rick probably did. Like you said, he yeah, it's just I, time for him to take a break. I think so. Mind. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price. Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Uh, Bill Watts is now saying that the wrestlers, if they miss time due to injuries, will be paid by workman's comp, which means they'll receive some money, although not the money they would receive if they were working. This is different from what Watts said in these pages when all the controversy came up. And he said he was eliminating workman's comp because it would be a $400,000 a year savings to the company. If it's a change, at least it's a step in the right direction. JR, when something happens uh, like this and takes place, what does this mean for the boys? Well, I always look out for the boys first, uh, Casio. I, <clears throat> you got to take care of the talent. How you decide to, to do that is debatable. But the bottom line is they can't miss paychecks. They've got to be paid. Talents set up a family budget based on what their guarantee is. And when you eliminate their guarantee, uh, because of injury and so forth, it's just, it's a horrible thing. And, uh, I'm a big, big believer that you've got to take care of your talent, no matter what. And if you can't afford to take care of your talent, then you've got too big a roster. You get too much overhead, uh, and you got to go to plan B, whatever that, whatever that may be during those times. So, uh, I just don't believe in let talent to not have a regular check and be able to buy their groceries and pay their mortgage, their kid, new tennis shoes or whatever it may be. Uh, I just don't believe in that. So that was always, that was always an issue. And the thing that a lot of fans don't realize when one of the big issues of this deal is the, the wise. The wives are now all over the husband's ass about well, how we're going to make a living, how we're going to get by. And, uh, so that causes pressure at home. So it's a negative, 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 and, and that, and you can't find a positive in that equation. As we're talking about 1992 and the business at that time, Jr. how much could the talent stand when he makes a move like this? Well, some did. And then of course their, their solution was to get out. Right you know, move on. And if I were cowboy and I try to explain that to him, uh, it's just a matter of philosophies. Uh, let them go. It's not being mean. It's actually, you're doing them a favor. If they got a chance to go to work for, for, for McMahon, then help them out the door, take care of them, get them, get them released and get all the legal work done and let them go work someplace where they can get paid and make a living. Uh, it wasn't like, you know, we're in this big wrestling war where we are nipping at the heels of WWE. That's a joke. We weren't even close. I don't think we'd even see their heels. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I'm a, let them go to work. Look, they got a unique skill. It's a short shelf life as a rule. Keep those things in mind and let them journey out to 
to, to make a living. You create better, you, you create better goodwill. Is that oxymoronic? Better goodwill. <laughs> uh, but you, you create goodwill and who knows that somewhere down the road, you know, their tenure in WWE is going to end and it might be an opportunity to, to get them back because you let them go the right way. So there's a lot of upsides to those things. If we look, look at it, uh, but I've always believed in being talent friendly, quite frankly, you, that's the one thing about the pro wrestling business. That's the most valuable asset that a company has is their talent. And so I, I believe that, uh, we could have handled some of those situations better. The business model had changed so much for cowboy that, uh, you know, getting in this corporate environment that was uh, a little bit challenging for him to dissect all these different corporate pieces. And of course, at some, at, and at some point he got more than he wanted to deal with. And that's why he left. Let me tell you what is talent friendly Jr. We know that both personally, Jimmy's famous seafood. Oh yeah. Boy, are they talent friendly? My friends. Yes, sir. I love those guys. That's a great family Casio that I don't know how well, you know, uh, Jimmy's family. Uh, they're wonderful people. I love seeing a family maintain the business that the father started many, many, many years ago. Uh, best crab cakes I've ever had in my entire life. I'm, a, I'm kind of a crab cake, cake snob. I like crab. Cakes. Really? Oh yeah. And, Here's the uh, best part about them: more, more crab than cake. Oh baby, I'm telling you. So <laughs> and they got good a, cake. Got good cake. And I, I, if you haven't tried them, folks, I mean, you can talk to most any wrestler, and they got a they got a story about Jimmy's because they've been there, they've enjoyed the hospitality, the atmosphere, uh, the, the the recipes that they utilize are family recipes, just absolutely amazing. And they can ship them to you as Cassidy was about ready to tell you, uh, they can ship them to you. Uh, no pains, no strains. So easy to prepare. My wife, Jan used to cook them. Uh, that was one of our favorite go-tos. Uh, and she would, uh, at the end of the, uh, the cycle, she'd turn the oven off and turn the broiler on the last few minutes to get that charred effect. Woo. She mastered it, man. And, uh, so it's a, I, I'm so happy that we to see, uh, Jimmy's come be one of our sponsors. I love them as a group of people. Uh, I've had so much fun there over the years. I've done shows there. I've had meetings there. I've had many, many meals there. And I can't recommend any product that we've ever, uh, advertised on this show more than Jimmy's famous seafood in Baltimore. And that is the beauty of 2023 coming upon us is now you can get Jimmy's Famous Seafood straight to your door, just like JR said. Go to jimmysfamousseafood.com, shipping nationwide, plus free two-day nationwide shipping on orders of $125, excluding stream crabs and fish items. All you got to do is use that promo code Jim Ross. That's promo code Jim Ross to get free two-day Nationwide shipping on orders of over $125. That's going to get you those Maryland crab cakes that JR was talking about, the soups, the chowders, the oysters, the signature steaks, plus incredible desserts and gluten-free items. And you got several packages right now. You can get the famous gift box. Get that for yourself. You got that Christmas money burning a hole in your pocket. You get this famous gift box. That's four of the world's best colossal Maryland crab cakes. 
two different crab soups, crab dips, seafood seasoning, and their signature bay sauce. Or if you're watching football, you got the NFL playoffs, all the bowl games going on, you get the tailgate bundle. That gets you two pounds of wings, a full rack of barbecue ribs, a pint of crab dip, and that crab cake mix. Or you can create your own package. Over 40 years in the business, like JR said, it's family run and has been featured on diners, dine-ins, and dives, beat Bobby Flay, and more. <laughs> Jimmy'sFamousSeafood.com, promo code Jim Ross. Yes, sir. You know, Folks, I promise you, I promise you, you will not regret it. You will not regret it. And uh, give, the, give the little missus a little, little break. Yes, everybody's tired of cooking. Yeah, I would, so... It, like you said, but this was destination. When I first went to a wrestling event in Baltimore, all I knew was we've got to go to Jimmy's because yeah. that's where the boys all go and eat and have a story about. And that's what we did. And now you can get that directly to your front door. All right. According to the observer, hashtag grilling at JR Starcade 92. Paulie dangerously received his manager of the year award from pro wrestling illustrated at the opening of Club Ema and New York on 12-19. The event drew some local publicity, including a front-page story on Dangerously's home newspaper and a lot of photo publicity since Dangerously arranged to have the Barbie twins present him with the award. A lot of heat continues in regards to his future with the company. Dangerously's contract is different from many of the wrestlers because it's a TBS employee contract rather than an independent contractor deal. This means his expenses on the road are paid for by the company, and he also gets the entire company benefits package. TBS has been investigating his expense receipts for the past three months. A lot of letters have been sent back and forth between Dangerously and WCW over the past week, and the two sides appeared unless a compromise was reached imminently to be headed towards a major blowout. JR, this is Paul E. being Paul E., and it. Pretty much. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Yeah. He was, he's a character in that respect. Uh, and I don't know how that thing ended up. Maybe we have it here. I don't know, but, uh, he, uh, trouble found him pretty easily. Controversy you, followed him around. Were you aware of the receipt confrontation they were having? Oh yeah. <laughs> how are you getting word of this? Cowboy accounting. You know, he, he allegedly reported to me. So I had, I, I got him. He was adopted. <laughs> he was a foster child. He was a talented foster child though. I'll tell yeah, you that if he, he, he could have, and it seems like he's finally grown up to a place where that's not issues issues anymore. He's doing a phenomenal job as, uh, working with, uh, the, uh, head of the table and, and all that stuff. I'm sure a lot of that, those ideas, marketing ideas were his have been his so uh he's finally found his his home his niche uh with uh roman reigns and company he's a valuable asset to those guys he could have been a valuable asset to us but immaturity uh seemed to be an issue and uh but that's just we all had those issues quite frankly uh but i i uh i'm not surprised at how great he's become he's arguably along with jim Cornette and Bobby Heenan, the three best managers I ever worked with. And, uh, Heenan may be in a class of, of his own simply because he could take great bumps. He could wrestle. He could talk. He could manage. 
he could co-host. There's nothing that Bobby Heenan couldn't do and do it very, very well. And, uh, Cornette, uh, kind of in that same kettle of fish, uh, and, uh, you know, Paul's Paul is about as athletic as me, and that's not really athletic at all. <laughs> so, but Bobby Heenan started out as a wrestler and all those other skills then evolved. And the same goes, uh, for Cornette, Cornette just, you know, I, 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 Cornette was so good that sometimes it, he looked too good. He looked like he shouldn't be able to wrestle as well as he did, but, uh, he just worked hard at it. And he's another guy that wasn't overly, overly athletic by any means. But, uh, those three guys, I think if you started a company and you could get any of those three, you'd, you'd have a hit on your hands. Did you see Paul returning at any at this point? Or did you think he's, he was done with the company with uh, WCW? Yes. As he's, as he's on his way out. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I didn't, I didn't see that happening. I think Bobby was another guy that had been in the business his entire life. And sometimes we just overlooked tenure. And he was tired, uh, but and then he finally goes back to WCW and stays a while, uh, made great, great money. Uh, he was in that same package, you know, when, 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 uh, Vince let, uh, mean, he, Vince was going to let mean Gene go, but he didn't want anybody to know that. And so Bobby kind of went along with that package of not, you know, telling everybody in the world that. Uh, so, so is leaving or he's being released or whatever. Uh, so it, it was, a, it's kind of orchestrated. It showed McMahon did have loyalty to, in a lot of areas and, and with main chain was one and Bobby was one, but, uh, I never knew how well Bobby would fit in a organization, a WCW I'm referring to that was so unorganized and so running a ramp, running rampant because that's not what he had in the, in, uh, and WWE, he didn't have that at all. There was structure and he liked the structure. So it's hard to believe that a wrestler needed structure, but they do because it gives them confidence that they're working for the right team. As we get towards actually, uh, talking about Starcade 92, when you're leading up to uh, it, uh, in the past Starcade meant <laughs> this was going to be the best card of the year. Did this show feel like that going into it? Oh, I'd like to say yes, but I'd be lying. <laughs> okay. It was going to be, it's going to be a good show. Right. Starcade name had a lot of, a lot of cachet. <coughs> oh, excuse me. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it was a bad card. Don't get me wrong, but was it a card that had the cloud of a, a flare title match, uh, type scenario? Uh, special guest referee, uh, Joe Lewis, or, uh, uh, you know, Gene Kaninsky or, or something like that. Something really special, unique. Uh, it didn't have that feel to me. And we were trying to sell a pay-per-view that we had high hopes for. Uh, and, but with the same talent that we were not drawing with. So if you stop thinking about it in those terms, it, it kind of makes some sense, you know, how, so you expect these guys who weren't over last yesterday to be over today and people are going to buy the pay-per-view. I just never saw it working that way. Going into the show, there's a big change in the card, which we're going to get to in just a second, but the show itself is down from not just last year's Starcade, but Halloween Havoc as well. Do you think Havoc push cut paying customers away? Or do you think 
Maybe just the battle bowl and the lethal lottery makes it really hard to convince people to give you their, their money. Well, it was a unique concept and it, it took some explaining. Anytime you get into a scenario Casio where you've got to, uh, explain the concept on multiple fronts, it seemingly affects the buy it's pro wrestling. It shouldn't be that hard to figure out, uh, keep it simple, stupid. And, uh, I don't know that we did that very well. From the observer, the legit story is that Rude was suffering from a bulging disc in his neck, the same injury that has kept him out of action since suffering it on 12-9. While the injury occurred more than two weeks back, WCW officials, so I'm told, didn't know Rude wouldn't be able to work until 12-26. I suppose it would have been possible to get the change on the Sunday show, although it would have required extreme last-minute effort, like putting a crawl on the screen since the show was probably completed a few days beforehand. You can argue whether or not it was feasible when a main event world title match on a pay-per-view has changed, but I've got to believe it was possible and should have been done. Rude from all indications, despite what has been heavily rumored and reported just about everywhere, was not going to win the title from Simmons, will be out of action for an estimated eight weeks. It was pretty well said on the show that the U.S. title will be vacated because of his injury, and either Ricky Steamboat or Dustin Rhodes will win the title in the tournament, and you've got to figure with Steamboat holding the tag title who the next natural champion will be. When do you find out, JR, that Rick Rude will not be on the show? Uh, it, wasn't that cl- it wasn't that far apart from it being announced. I mean, we Information flow, communication is not good. So I would say, uh, excuse me again, imminent. It was I- imminent. We, uh, I knew late in the game, way late in the game. Cause I helped cowboy re rewrite uh, the show. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of ways to handle things, but it's just, there's no good way to spread the news or to address, uh, a, a vacated title of a major star, uh, and that we had in Rick. So it was, it was, it was around that time. I kind of found out like everybody else because it was just hard getting information, uh, from the doctors. And a lot of doctors were afraid when, you, when you're dealing with a neck injury that could cause paralysis and, and things of that nature. Uh, there, some of them are, are difficult to pin down and commit because they don't want a lawsuit either. They don't want to put a guy in the ring. That's not ready. So it was, uh, it was late in the game when we all found out about this, uh, development. Plus how hard is it? You know, we're of course talking about 92. There's absolutely not even a concept of social media. How hard is it to get the word out in those days? You've already got pre-tapes, you've got storylines, but how hard was it? And what was the, what was the, maybe, you know, what's the, what's our plan when something like this happens? How do we get the word out? Well, in today's world, you do social media, right? There wasn't that social media was not a, uh, rampant, uh, runaway success in, in 1992. It did it exist. Yeah, it existed, but not to the extreme of today, for God's sakes. There's, we haven't seen anything in our lifetime that's, that even compares to social media uh, of, of today. There's nothing, it's never been like this before. Right. So uh, it was more daunting to get the word out with an underdeveloped and underprocessed uh, social media. You know, the Melchers of the world had, you know, had an audience and uh, I'm sure he, he had plenty to say about it as we're, you know, using some of his material here today, just a background. So, uh, but it was, it was, it was tough. It was not going to be easy. It was not going to be seamless. 
and I'm not so sure, uh, what else we could have done. The doctors are not going to clear this guy, Rick Rude. They're not going to clear him. So what do you do? Well, you got to play with a hand that's dealt you and you got to hope that some people step up and have the match of their lifetime on this pay-per-view. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Jim, before we get on to the actual Starcade itself, I want to give you a great report because listening to your episode last week here with our buddy Conrad Thompson, you said you had got word back that somebody in your family had put JR's all purpose seasoning on the popcorn. All right. We did it over our Christmas break and it was fantastic. Oh, good. Good. Yes. Did it over my, the Christmas break. My lovely granddaughters will be happy to hear that their little idea got tet- got to test. Well, so your granddaughter, I couldn't remember who it was yeah, my, when I was two, retelling it. I said, I just know somebody's family has vouched for this. Let's my, trust it. My two granddaughters, they came up with that little c- concept and they're such sweethearts. Uh, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's cool. I'm glad, I'm glad you tried it. You know, our, our, our holiday business was great and I really am grateful. I'm really, really grateful that, uh, a lot of folks, uh, bought our products for, for the holidays. They're great rest there for a wrestling fan. A birthday, an anniversary, uh, a successful story, a promotion, whatever it may be. Uh, our products are great gifts in that respect. The uh, Red Ass JR's hot sauce is flying off the shelves, and uh, the uh, it's just been been a great holiday season. So, and we're going to come back with a with a vengeance, shall we say? A lot of specials and and always being competitive in price. Because we believe that nobody makes what we what we sell better than us, and I guess that's what you got to think, right? And but the the beef jerky has always been a big hit, has been forever. Uh, you know, you can buy barbecue sauce right off the grocery store shelves. It's not as good as mine, I don't think. But the hot sauce is a very unique gift. The all-purpose seasoning, as she alluded to moments ago, is uh, really a winner. You know, the story behind that is I, I, I bought my beef jerky from this fella. His company makes, and still do, uh, they make my beef jerky. And so I was up there and I saw this big bag of seasoning. <clears throat> His name is Stan. I said, Stan, what is this? He said, that's my, my, my rub. And he was, I looked at the wall and he was in the, uh, uh, barbecue hall of fame. Woo. And he, and back in the day, he tr- made the tour the circuits, like all the state fairs and things like that, where they had competitions and he would sell, he would compete and he would sell his products there. So, uh, I got a bag of it and, and Jan and I tried it. She loved it. And she was really the taster of the family. Cause you look at me, I eat anything <laughs> and lots of it at various hours of the day. <laughs> so she was, uh, we tried it and then I said, well, this is a great way for us to add a new product line to our stuff. And, and that's what we did. He was, I bought it from him. I had it rebottled and packaged and labeled and all that good stuff. And I didn't, the seasoning to say it's all purpose, uh, rub makes it very one dimensional. 
but when you, you change, change the name from rub to seasoning, uh, it gives it more versatility. And it's been one of our best sellers uh, without question. Conrad swears by it, uh, for example, and, uh, he's a discerning eater. So he, he is, he is surprisingly yeah. so. Yeah, he is. So, uh, anyway, it's all cool. JR's BBQ.com. Uh, we, uh, we're open. We're never closed. So and, and if we get you, uh, if, if we can know that you're a, you're in a time, time delay, or you got, you got a sense of urgency and you let us know that, uh, we're going to, we're going to try to do our very best to take care of you, get this order shipped out so you can get it in your hands and start using it. So, uh, I appreciate everybody supporting that project. And I know sometimes it gets ad nauseum. That's all JR talks about. Well, it's not really all I talk about, but I'm proud of it. And if you knew the origins of the whole barbecue concept and how much my mother and my late wife contributed to it, uh, you'd understand where I'm coming from. So jrsbbq.com, give it a shot. And, uh, we appreciate it. Spend that Christmas money. Everybody's got Christmas money to spend. Get yourself <laughs> some sauce and the seasoning and uh, the hot sauce and the jerky and all of it. Jrsbarbecue.com. All right. As we get to, uh, don't forget, use the hashtag to interact with us. Hashtag grilling JR Starcade 92. As we get to the actual event, the show is voted on as a critical success. According to the wrestling observer readers, 64.4% voted thumbs up, but Meltzer, of course, would always point out everything. He says halfway into the show, after the two singles world title matches had ended and the tag title match was starting, the show was in the toilet and actually far worse than the dreaded Halloween Havoc was at the same point. But major credit has to be given to the four wrestlers in the tag match for saving and turning the show around and to Sting and Vader for putting on a match even better than their excellent match at the Great American Bash. JR, Sting and Vader, MVPs of the promotion at this time, are they not? Yeah, I'd say so. I think that's fair, Casio. That's fair. Uh, like you say, we always want somebody to, to, to rise up. Who's going to step forward and, uh, staying and invader step forward. And, uh, thank God that they did. They, they did a lot again. I'm just, I'm saying we're going into a show where, where not really anybody is quite hot. It's not. So you hope that somebody will have the match of, uh, of the month or match of the year or match of the, whatever, uh, uh, on the show. And that's what you keep your fingers crossed for. And, uh, and, uh, Steve Borden and Leon white, uh, did a good job for us. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were leery of working with Vader cause he was so heavy handed and, you know, a, a clothesline from Vader. And it's not like a regular clothesline from somebody else. It's in that Steiner line, uh, category. <laughs> so, uh, but he's just big and strong. It's not like he's trying to hurt anybody. He's just, he's a big bastard and he's going to bring a little bit more to the party than, than the average dude. So, uh, yeah, well, I thought they had, they had really good nights. Those two guys. All right, let's get to the numbers. Get your feedback on them. Starcade at the Omni Atlanta on 12, 28 drew 6,500 paid more than 8,000 in the building or roughly a half house in the building set up for 15,000, $70,000. It drew in, it would be the third largest live gate for WCW in 1992. So it's not a failure, but I'm not sure these 6,500 paid with upper deck tickets at $5 for Starcade at the Omni would be considered a success either. JR, is this thought of internally as a failure? Never heard it uh, termed that way. Okay. Uh, 
you know, over 5,000 in the building for what we had been doing was an accomplishment. Uh, we were more concerned about having a great show, a, a, a great performance. Some of these guys that are booked on the show uh, are booked there because of necessity. We didn't have anything else. And you're hoping that some of those matches, uh, step out, step up and become a, a, a pleasant surprise. So I think that was our focus more than anything, just match quality and bell to bell productivity. Uh, cause the haze in the barn, they bought their tickets. This, this is who's coming. This is where we are. We can't worry about things that we can't control now. And that would have been one of those situations. We have plenty to be concerned about, uh, over the, uh, you know, uh, the normal things you could get, you worry about Casio. It's just, it's, uh, the, 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 the ring in ring product, the bell to bell was, was our top, our top priority. And, and some of the matches were good as we'll talk about. Before the opening match, they had Hank Aaron present the Battle Bowl ring from 1991 to Sting. The irony of seeing Aaron standing next to Bill Watts is probably lost on almost everyone watching. Later in the show, before the Battle Royal, Paul Horning, pro football legend from the 60s, did an interview talking about the value of a ring and showing his ring from winning the first Super Bowl in 1967. They tried to equate winning Battle Bowl with winning the Super Bowl, which is a stretch even for wrestling. It also downgraded the world title as if having two of them on the same show and putting them both on in the middle of the card so they came off as a prelim match doesn't downgrade it enough already, says the Observer, and by acting like Battle Bowl was more important than the title belt. A lot to unpack here. Uh, Hank Aaron in the ring with Bill. Meltzer points out it's ironic. Uh, was Bill's previous comments and in interviews ever thought of in the back of your head that they would come back to bite him? Uh, no, not really. I didn't, I didn't think it'd be, I mean, it, Hank Aaron and, and, uh, uh, and was really a contributing factor to cowboy eventually leaving. Uh, and so it was a little strange, but, uh, you know, Hey, we're just trying to play with all the whatever's there. Hank Aaron's a famous guy at the time. He held the home run record. He was a legend there in Atlanta, uh, and in baseball in general, sports world in general, the Paul Horning thing was a little bit, uh, uh, unique. I, I'm, a, I'm not sure who got Paul Horning lined up for us. might've been Greg Gagne. I'm not sure, but, uh, it's just a, it's just a, a matter of having a star power from every generation. I mean, older football fans certainly remember Paul Horning, Notre Dame, Heisman Trophy winner, Green Bay Packers, all these things. So I didn't see that that hurt. I thought that uh, days, uh, well, they're trying to compare this to the Super Bowl. You know, get over it, for God's sakes. It's a ring, and it <laughs> signifies success. That's all. And so that's kind of where we were on that deal. I, I thought that was really being picky, quite frankly. What was Hank Aaron like to work with? Fine. Always friendly. Uh, I don't know that Hank Aaron ever got the whole story of Cowboys uh, scenario, but, uh, he was fine. He became I, I, uh, many WCW appearances. Yeah. He liked wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically. Uh, but, uh, I, Mr. Aaron was a nice man and it was cool for a baseball fan or a sports fan like me, uh, to, to develop a, a relationship with him. 
So he was a good dude. He was a good dude in that regard. I think that he didn't get the entire story of Cowboys, uh, you know, alleged racism. He didn't do his homework, Mr. Aaron. Cowboy was, if you go back and look at his history, uh, he was far from a racist, but uh, be that as it may, that's the story that got out. That's how he was, he was imprinted and that's where it stayed. And, and again, sadly. All right, let's get into the matches and there. Uh, Please get into the goddamn matches. <laughs> There's really no heat and only one of them will be considered uh, pretty decent. Our first one, Van Hammer and Dan Spivey beat Cactus Jack and Johnny B. Bad in six minutes and 51 seconds. They seemed uncomfortable working together, which hurt the match. Bad pulled off a hot move early with a Frankensteiner, which wasn't referred to by any name, uh, into a DDT. Finish saw Bad hit the punch on his own partner, and Jack was schoolboyed by Hammer. Half a star. Cactus Jack getting pinned by Van Hammer seems like a crime in retrospect. But how difficult is it for these guys to put together a match like this? Well, their styles are also different. Uh, the right. experience levels are, are, uh, varying, uh, the wrong guy won. Mick, Mick should have won the match. He was, he had more potential, but he was easiest to get along with. Uh, I, I've always been a big Dan Spivey fan, Dan, Dan, the left-handed man. <laughs> One of my favorite characters of all time, Waylon Mercy. That was Danny Spivey. Did yep. a great job as Waylon Mercy. So I, I would have probably put uh, Mick over, but I'm biased regarding Mick, as everybody knows. So, because uh, again, I, I, I set my I set my ways. Van Hammer, nice kid, good look, wasn't ready, and beating Mick Foley was not going to make him ready. Mistake on our part. You see, you know, you see some of these matches now in retrospect and you say, man, if I just throw these names in, we should, we should have a good match on our hands. Uh, this one, you just see those names. And like you said, hammer, Spivey, cactus, Jack, Johnny be bad. Like you said, out of the gate, we got a Klaus style clash. We've got just things that are unavoidable. It just seemed like that was hard from the get go with those guys. Yeah. And probably not the kind of match you want to open the show with. You don't open the show with something that uh, seems to be a little bit awkward right. uh, or less action than you would ideally want. So, uh, but again, I just thought that the decision to put uh, the big green rookie baby face over was uh, ill-advised. Second match of the night, Dustin Rhodes and Big Van Vader beat Kensuke Sasaki and Barbarian in six minutes and 56 seconds. Barbarian was bad. And I can't recall Sasaki doing much. Finished saw Barbarian accidentally clotheslined Sasaki and was schoolboyed by Rose for the pin. The finish looked familiar after the match. Vader clotheslined Rhodes and left him laying. JR, was this just a lack of communication that the same finish really takes place as in two matches in a row? I Yeah, damn right it was. You got this big booking committee of all these ex-wrestlers. What the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> well, seriously, pay attention. Just pay attention. Uh, you know, your name's on it. And I don't know that guys took ownership of things as, as they should, but your name's on this damn thing, man. So, uh, yeah, that's, un that's unacceptable. And I just remember that match as being one that didn't have an overwhelming amount of effort. Guys are, you know, just, just was not good. So it wasn't, and it should have been better. Should have been better. I mean, on the high spot of the matches, 
uh, Vader clotheslining Dustin. That's it. That's what yeah. you got for me. So that's what it was. Third match of the night, Barry Windham and the great Muta Muta beat Brian Pillman and two cold Scorpio in six minutes and 59 seconds. One of those matches that looked really interesting on paper because all four are talented wrestlers and Wyndham and Pillman are going to team up later in the card. Not a lot of heat, but the work was good. It would have been nice to give them more time, but Pillman and Wyndham had a 20-plus later in the show, so that in that way, it was a probably good idea not for him to be out there for too long. Some very nice high spots when Pillman was either uh, in with either of the two. Wyndham and Pillman chopped the hell out of each other went in together. Scorpio did a few moves I've never seen before, including a new form of a leg drop and a somersault into the ring into a knee drop. Finish. Saw Wyndham hitting Scorpio with a high-dropping DDT. Uh, pinned him with the moonsault. I was really surprised to see them have Scorpio do a job this early in his WCW tenure. Well, who do you want to, who did you want to, who did you want to, who, who did you want to do the job, Dave? <laughs> okay. Seriously. I was really surprised. What the fuck are you surprised about? Look at it logically. Or if that's something you can do, that would have been a good opening match. That match there would have got people off their seats. Had, and I'd have gone 10 minutes with it. Simple as that. 10 minutes, give me a finish and open the show with that. And hopefully the, the guys that follow that opening match, uh, will understand what their role is, is to be better than your predecessor. But, uh, it, it was buried in the third, third hole and. Uh, you know, I'm not overly concerned about it being almost seven minutes. I think I didn't think that was hard. Uh, and it was a tag match. So if they were, if they're going to wrestle twice or three times or whatever, and they're all single matches, you got an issue, but it's a tag match. You shouldn't have any, any issues going, uh, seven or 10 minutes, quite frankly. So that would have been my opening match of the show. Sting and Steve Williams uh, beat Jushin Liger and Eric Watts in nine minutes and eight seconds. The crowd, largely dead up until this point, reacted big to Sting opening against Liger, but it was a total waste of Liger who sold the entire match and almost got no offense in. It's mind-boggling that WCW could so completely devalue such a potential attraction. Liger kept kicking out after mainly being destroyed by Williams, who sold nothing for him the entire match. Liger tagged Watts. Watts looked bad. They did give him a spot where he got Williams in the STF, but Williams made the ropes. Williams mercifully ended it by hot-shotting Watts for the pin. One and three-quarter stars. Jushin Liger, wrong place, wrong time, but teaming up with Eric Watts? This is just a miss, isn't it, JR? Pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. I, I it, it lost. It, it didn't have a lot of cachet, uh, and it, it should have had. Uh, Sting and Do and Doctor Death, Liger. Here's the problem, Eric. Mm. Uh, you know, I I defended Eric many many times on this show because I grew up around him. Actually, he grew up around me. I'm a little bit older than him, uh, <laughs> but I, I just uh, he's like Van Hammer. Why is he in this match being so green? We're not doing anybody else any favors. Well, I got him on TV. Bullshit. Well, he had a one spot with doc the STF spot. Bullshit. He shouldn't have been in the match. It didn't do him any good whatsoever. Him meaning pronoun boy. It didn't do him any good. Uh, him meaning Eric Watts. And, uh, I don't know what we were thinking. So 
cowboy just kept trying to help his son and his son needed the help, but he wasn't, I don't know. We were, I don't know if we were giving him the right help. Just, it was not good. Nepotism. Nepotism is at an all time high in wrestling today. It's unbelievable, but it's not, it's, but that isn't anything new. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, here's what might be new for you coming into the new year. All of our listeners might be trying to get into better shape. That's a lot of New Year's resolutions. May we suggest our friends over Athletic Greens, JR. Yeah, man. Athletic Greens is going to take care of our listeners. You might be asking yourself, what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things, basically. So here's how you can get AG1 in your life, okay? First of all, if you're worried about the price here in the new year, it costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. It's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. These are gonna be all in that one scoop. You don't have to have many different bottles and boxes and holders taking up all the cabinet space. It's cheaper than getting it all to there. So you're saving space and money as well. Plus, you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. That's right. If you don't have to just take our word for it, You can go online. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews recommended by professional athletes trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. And in 2022, by the way, Athletic Greens donated over 1.2 million meals to kids in 2020. Sustainability and values are at their core, plus they like to give back. For every purchase, Athletic Greens donates to organizations helping to get nutritious food to kids in needs like we told you about, including No Kid Hungry here in the U.S. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every single day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy... Athletic Greens is going to give you free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do, visit the website, athleticgreens.com slash JR. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash JR to take ownership over your health and to pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We thank Athletic Greens for sponsoring this episode. in the right place but the main thing is uh, uh, the main thing is the fact that 
it, the product works. And there's nothing more viable or important to any of us <clears throat> than our health. So uh, give, <clears throat> give it a shot. Like Casio said, it's so simple. And you, you don't have to take a zillion products or carry them around. This is one-stop shopping, baby. And it'll make, oh. you feel, make you feel better. And you'd be shocked if you knew all the names of the people, famous people, that are, this is part of their daily ritual. Because, again, it works. And we like sponsors that bring their products on our show that work and help our audience. This will help you feel better, maintain strength, all kinds of positive things. So give it a shot and see if we ain't telling you the truth. Free one-year spa vitamin D and five free travel packs. Go to athleticgreens.com slash JR. All right, interact with us again on social media of any of these, what you thought about any of these matches at hashtag grillingjrstarkade92. We're down to the fifth match. Uh, Masachono retained the NWA heavyweight title, making Muda submit to the STF in 14 minutes and 29 seconds. It's not as if they did anything wrong technically, but they did everything wrong in that most of the match consisted of maneuvers that mean nothing in the U.S. Chono spent most of the match working over Muda's knee in, on the mat, which is actually what they needed to avoid to get the match over. I can't figure out why they did the kind of match they did because you don't have to understand that much about wrestling to know exactly the style of match they needed to avoid to get it over in the U.S. And Muda knows he was a top star here, and Chono has worked in this country. Did someone tell them to work like this? And if nobody did, then the next time, someone should tell them not to. Muda missed a moonsault, and Chono caught him in the SDF, which is now an overmove to win. One star. Who do you think thought this was the match, best match for them to put it together like this? Do you think they went into this thinking this would be what they want, JR? I think, <clears throat> I think the talents thought that it was the right thing to do. <clears throat> uh, two great stars. So... Uh, but it seems like, <clears throat> pardon me, every time that we use uh, the uh, amazing Japanese athletes that, uh, we get somebody takes a dump on us. Oh, you're not, they're not doing it this way. They did it different in Tokyo. They did it differently in Osaka, uh, whatever. I, I sometimes you're just damned if you do and damned if you don't. Uh, so maybe uh, bill should have called Meltzer and had him book the match. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Why not? He, he seems to know everything else. And. So why not? Uh, he, he probably knows more about, uh, the intricacies of their matches as it relates to the American audience is anybody that we know uh, that may sound ridiculous, but, uh, point being is, is it's a, it's a unique, uh, marketplace. Uh, and I love, I, I, I enjoyed the match quite frankly. Well, but these guys, like you said, they, they're great workers. They've had experience. Would these be guys you would trust to go, Hey, you guys tell your own story. Yeah. You, you present this exactly how you want it to. All yeah. I want, yours. I, I want Shono over with his finish after 12 minutes or after 15 or whatever it's going to be. That's what you tell them. And as simple as that. And, and let them do their own, uh, let them have ownership of it. Casio, let them you, put your hands on it, put your name on it, put your signature on it. And go out there and have fun. So uh, yeah, I, those if those two guys aren't able to come up with a workable finish based on the criteria that I just mentioned, then we're all in in some sort of crazy land. I don't get. That's how I would have handled it. Just you know, here's what we need, guys. 
here's a time, here's the finish. How you get there is completely up to you fellas. Let's go out there and have fun. It'd be look, having missing a, uh, moonsault and then going right into the finish. is not a bad concept. Looking back at it now, this is the last time the NWA title will be defended on a WCW pay-per-view. We're looking back at this as the end of an era. Is it not? Yeah, pretty much. I think so. NWA's the bodies weren't dead, weren't cold yet, but they were getting chilly. Was the NWA title ever the same after Rick left? Shit. No, not in my opinion. Yeah. Not in my opinion. Uh, he was so flair, so married to the title that anyone else possessing it just didn't feel right to me. So uh, I don't think it would ever, it, it ever got to be the same. I think that the, the last South bastion of health it had a chance to be successful was during the 89 uh, trilogy between flair and steamboat. Uh, as we continue the crowd boo heavily. When it was announced that Rick Rude wasn't going to wrestle because of an injury, they announced in the building that the reason Steve Williams was replacing him was because he was the number one contender, which drew a lot more boos as well, as the fans were smart enough to realize Williams almost never works for WCW, so how could he be the top contender? Williams wound up being something of a crowd favorite because most of the crowd booed Watts and much of the crowd booed Simmons. Was this a miss? Do you think Steve was the right person to put in this match? Man, I don't, who else would you suggest? <clears throat> I don't know. Uh, we, we, look, we didn't have a deep roster of, of over guys. I said that before we started this, this, uh, this show. So we're expected to go out and have a hell of a pay-per-view with a significant injury in Rick Rude, uh, with talent that hadn't been drawn anyway. So all of a sudden we're going to wave a magic wand and call it, a. uh, you know, Starcade and all, all things are good. Don't work that way. So, uh, I'm glad doc got the opportunity. Uh, but in any event, uh, as you read the, the, some of the crowd was not happy with it, but like I said, we were between a rock and a hard spot as this old saying goes. Yeah. It's and like you said earlier, your MVPs are sting invader and they've already got a match. So you can't pull from that. Or you mess up that storyline. Exactly. So you, you've got to go with whoever you got left. That's, a, that's what you got. Uh, and, and I would say most likely no matter who came out of that curtain was about to get booed and not going to be a favorite because they, they wanted to see Rick Root at that point. Correct. Uh, six match Ron Simmons retained the WCW heavyweight title beating Williams via DQ in 15 minutes and 12 seconds. They tried and it was all solid work, but it never got out of the blocks either. Simmons missed a tackle and the two brought outside the ring to a double count out. They kept brawling after the match. Simmons shoved Williams into the post, but Williams got back in and attacked Simmons again and came off the top rope on him. Williams was then DQ'd in a reverse decision, which hardly mattered because it was just piled on a second crew job, a second screw job ending into a first. The WCW title came off as so unimportant. It was pathetic with them acting like the King of Cable Trophy and the Battle Bowl ring were more important and the world title to make matters worse. Simmons was booed a lot when they raised his hand in victory. I think everyone has finally come to the conclusion that this experiment was a failure. One and a quarter star was the experiment a failure. Seems to be, <clears throat> seems to be how it worked out. And the reason for that is, uh, you know, Ron should have had a much bigger buildup. He should have had a lot more, uh, fanfare. 
it should have been a longer process to quote unquote, get him over. And the finish did no one, including doc, any favors. Uh, you beat his ass. What's Simmons? Uh, how did Simmons beat Vader? As I recall, it was a power slam. That's exactly how I would have had that match in, uh, Ron would power slam. If that's, if I'm on target, uh, uh, doc and, and go over and doc would have done the favor, done the honors, but, uh, that count out this, it was just convoluted and watered down and, you know, like we're trying to protect somebody. Anytime you do a, 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 a finish that's primary agenda is to protect, uh, you're, you're probably traveling down the wrong road. It's going to be hard to accomplish what you want when you're, when you're in protect mode and not in attack mode, Ron, Ron should have won with the, with the finish and simple as that to me. And that would have helped him. Things like that would have helped him along the way. Uh, but I think we realized that he got pushed too quick. Uh, he was, he wasn't given the buildup that he should have gotten. And so he, he, I don't know that Ron Simmons got a real quote unquote fair chance to get over, uh, cause I still believe it would have worked. Why do you think Dr. Death never got that main event push and had it stick? Well, because of his availabilities, mostly he, he liked going to Japan. Uh, it got, it was home base for him. And so I think, uh, the fact that, uh, he was his, his available dates were somewhat, uh, challenging to, you know, to wrap your arms around. Uh, you know, I thought doc, <clears throat> he just wasn't ready to give up the Japanese stuff. It was great money for him. And I think he's making, I'm sure he's making uh, 10, 15, maybe even 20 grand a week, uh, there for a few, for a few days of a month. Uh, and it, it, he just wasn't ready to give that up. And I don't blame him, Yeah. but I think that his availability, uh, as the champion, uh, was, uh, something that we couldn't get past. Steamboat and Shane Douglas retained the WCW and NWA tag titles, beating Pillman and Wyndham in 20 minutes to two seconds. Good from bell to bell. Crowd was still in the doldrums from the previous matches until Douglas drop kicked Pillman off the apron and Pillman caught his throat on the guardrail. However, right after Pillman drop kicked Douglas, who was on the top rope and took a bump on the floor and Wyndham hit a vicious clothesline. Originally because of the height difference, Pillman and Wyndham looked like a mismatched team but they were excellent here. Pillman has come a long way in a short time as a heel. Wyndham may have been the best performer on the entire show in his new heel role. And Douglas took the heat for a long time with many near falls on him. It wasn't until the 16 minute mark when Steamboat tagged in. Wyndham cut him off quickly with a power slam. Steamboat then took the heat for several minutes. Finally, Steamboat and Wyndham both tagged out. It went into a four way and Douglas pinned Pillman with the belly to belly. Four and a quarter stars here from the observer. Surprising to have Douglas get the win here, possibly in my mind, but is this a match you should go out of your way to see? Everybody should go watch this. Great match on the card. This is what you envisioned the tag team being when Bill came into the company, right? Yeah, pretty much. I think so. It was a good match. Those guys worked their ass off. Uh, all were hungry. <clears throat> it's just a testament to how good Barry Wyndham is. I haven't heard much about Barry's health after suffering that heart attack, uh, here lately on my thoughts and prayers are with him and his family. Uh, but, uh, 
Yeah, it's a good match. If, if you're going to watch one off the show, uh, that would not be a bad suggestion. Next up, Sting pinned Big Van Vader to win the King of Cable Tournament in 16 minutes and 50 seconds. You couldn't ask for a better match than this. This has not only had hot moves, but it had a focused storyline to the match and was obviously well planned out. Vader looked like he's gained even more weight, yet never looked like he was blown <laughs> up, and they worked a hot pace. Sting opened strong using moves uh, like a Insurigiri. I wish Insurigiri. I had wish that's I had a Jap- Japanese here. in Japanese that's head kick. Uh, German yeah. suplex and even a plancha dive out of the ring onto Vader and Harley Race, and later a DDT off the middle ropes. Sting got Vader in the Scorpion, but Vader got to the ropes. The tables turned when Sting went for a stinger splash outside the ring. Vader moved and Sting hit the guardrail. By this point, Vader was bleeding from the mouth. Vader had hit a big splash, but Sting kicked out. They went back and forth with big moves and near falls with the storyline from the beginning that Sting needed to take Vader into a long match and wear him out to beat him. Vader destroyed Sting, who used the Ali Robodope, and eventually Vader punched himself out. Sting made the comeback and used a back suplex and splash off the top, but Vader kicked out. Race distracted Sting, so Vader closed lining from behind, used a choke slam and splash, but Vader rolled off Sting accidentally before he could pin him. Vader came off the top rope again, but Sting caught him in a power slam and got the three count four and a half stars. This is one of the best matches these two ever had, JR. What a match this is, and I don't know that I can say that enough. It did a really, really good match. These two, of course, knew what they were doing. Add in Harley Race at the ringside. Just hard to find anything wrong with this, right? Yeah, and they did a great job of overcoming a lot of mediocrity of matches prior to theirs. Uh, they had a good lead in, as they say in the media business, uh, with, uh, the tag match, uh, with Barry, you know, those guys, uh, but yeah, they just, they, they, they got the audience invested, emotionally invested and paying attention. And, uh, and it was fun to call because man, we were suffering, uh, with what we were, what we were giving them. So yeah, that was a good one. I don't. I can't recall a match that Vader and Sting had that was better ever than this one. So if you if you're a fan of Vader, you're a fan of Stinger, uh, good good match to go back and, and check out. You know, it's, it's 16 minutes and 50 seconds out of your life. I think you can handle it. You said you had fun on the call, which brings me to this next paragraph. Meltzer would say this: Jim Ross and Jesse Ventura did a great job during the Sting and Vader match of getting the story across to the viewers. It is becoming more obvious with each big show that the two don't complement one another. Ross is into seriously calling the matches, at least on these big shows, like a sports event, wanting to talk strategy, etc. Ventura's actual color isn't particularly incisive in that regard. His strength is coming up with excellent one-liners, but Ross's serious commentary doesn't lend himself for being the setup man for one-liners. Was this a Jesse issue? Was this a your issue? Is this a regret that you two didn't work more together? I didn't change my philosophy, Casio. I, right. I, I called what I've been doing. So, and Jesse wanted to do what he had been doing. And, uh, sometimes uh, when you're looking for the comedy, uh, it can be a blessing or a disguise. I did not take advantage of Jesse's skill as much as I should have. And that's on me. That's not on him. You know, and my ego got in the way of that one, quite frankly, because I knew exactly what Jesse was making and I knew exactly what I was making. And I was working a lot, 
you know, three times as much, uh, and making probably half the money. So that didn't put me in a good place mentally. Right. I sh it should have, it should, it should have been a non-issue. And later on, as it went along, it became a non-issue because I grew up and act like an adult, but that's kind of where that was. You know, I just take full, full, uh, blame for that situation. And, uh, I, I, and I say that because there's no reason that Jesse Ventura and good OJR shouldn't have been a hell of a team. Uh, and, and, and I will take, I'll raise my hand on that deal. That's on me. Well, in the main event, yes, if you're listening, you haven't watched it. Somehow there's a plan for a battle Royal to follow those last two matches we talked about, which are great. Uh, Muda won the battle bowl battle Royal in 14 minutes and one seconds, totally anticlimactic after the two previous bouts. And also nothing memorable occurred. Van Hammer was thrown out by Williams in five minutes and 55 seconds. Sting backdrop Spivey out in 630. Wyndham destroyed Muda for a few minutes and threw him over, but Muda skinned the cat, came back with a few quick hot moves, and finally drop kick Wyndham over one and a half stars, according to the Observer. Surprising to see Muda get the win here and not Sting or Vader. Were you surprised with this decision? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit I was. Uh, it made it more compatible, I think. The fact that uh, earlier in the night, Muda lost a, a match to Chono in, uh, by submission. And so that kind of took me off the trail there a little bit of it going into that last match, the battle, the battle Royal. Uh, so I was a little surprised, but I wasn't disappointed. I was always a big Muda fan. I lobbied and it got me heat with the booking committee. Again, another issue about the booking committee. The, the fucking booking committee has got to check their agendas and their buddies agendas at the door. They, they can't make promises. They meaning the booking committee cannot make promises that they cannot keep. And uh, a lot of guys are trying to take care of their friends. So, uh, I, I, I wanted at one time, uh, mooted to be the NWA champion. And that means he would have had to beat Ric Flair and that caused issues to some degree within the committee, you know, they're all loyal to Rick. I was loyal to Rick too, but you got to get somebody. He's got to get, he's got to freshen up. He's got to have the opportunity, uh, to, to retool his game a little bit and basically create new opponents because at the end of the day, the, my plan would have always been for flair to regain the championship after chasing Muda. And I thought that their matches would be phenomenal new marriages, new moves, new, new philosophies. So, uh, it, 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 but what it's made out to be is a, a personal issue between flair and me, which is total bullshit. Well, I didn't know. I don't, Hey, uh, Jr. is talking about putting the belt on uh, Muda and th then they'll put, and I don't know what he's got against you. Nothing. You idiot. I'm trying look, are we drawing any money? Are we making any money? No, 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 no. And all that shit. So, uh, that's where that is. And when you get those, those agendas, those personal agendas and those friendships that interfere with clear thinking, uh, it causes problems like this. So, uh, I was, uh, had no issue with mood at all. I was a big mood of a fan still am. Uh, he was a hell of a hand. He was a hell of a hand for us. He learned a lot about American customs and, and matches, uh, from the late great Gary Hart, who was also another phenomenal manager. So, uh, 
I, I'm a, I was a Muda backer, but I wasn't a, a, a Ric Flair hacker. I just, it, it just, it was long-term booking. And, and so anyway, that's kind of where I was in that deal. Casio. I, I just think that it was just a, I was trying to look down the road, freshen things up, create a, 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 a great rivalry between two of the very best in-ring performers that were currently wrestling in the world. Shame on me for thinking that way. <laughs> um, with your legacy, uh, Starcade began in 1987 and then five years later, it ends in 92. Looking right. back on it, what was the uh, peak Starcade for you? Oh man, that's a hard one to answer. I, I, I had good experiences. The first Starcade was, uh, very significant because it was the first Starcade for me. Uh, and, uh, so. I'd say the first one was the most significant because I had never done it before. Uh, I don't know. I'm trying to think back on the period of time. I don't know that I had made a decision or the decision had been made for me, whatever way you want to look at it, that this is going to be my last pay-per-view. So, uh, for W for WCW, I, I knew I wouldn't have a hard time finding work, but I don't, but I don't know that I was ready to go look for work. Right. So, uh, but I think the, the first one was the most significant Casio just because it was first. It's like your first little girlfriend. Ooh. I don't want to get in that story either. <laughs> uh, do you have a worst? Was there a worst? What's that? Was there a worst star in the bunch? Oh, I can't, I'd have to go back. If I looked at them individually, I might, I could give you an answer, but I, off the top of my head, I don't, I don't have a good enough recall right now. To tell you, oh, that third one was horrible. I, I can't, I need to see it. If I saw it and if I knew you were going to ask you this, I would have done a little bit more due diligence, but I can tell you that without a doubt, the first one was the most significant because I, it was a brand new experience with a, an event that had a lot of cachet and had a lot of, uh, pizzazz. I was, I'm a big fan of all those big events like that. And luckily for my career, I got to call most of them. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. What was standard operating procedure back then when a show like this is over? Do you ever sit down with Cowboy and go over what worked and didn't work, et cetera? We were, we were in Atlanta, so I, I got my ass home. I drove <laughs> home. Uh, we would talk on Monday. Okay. And uh, and go from there. Is it, a, is it a analyzing what worked and what didn't, or is it more, hey, where are we going? Let's keep moving forward. I think, uh, we needed to go back and, and, and bring forward what we saw on Sunday night at the pay-per-view. And he felt that was saying, which I was so used to working with him in that regard. We'd have those meetings after the, uh, the big Superdome events, for example. Uh, but no, I, I, uh, we needed to, you have to evaluate where you are after that event, after that pay-per-view to build your road to the next one. So that was kind of the, how, how the meetings went. The, the, if we were, what are we, okay, now what, 
What do we, so, so if you had title changes and things like that, or you, you want to make title changes, uh, you know, what are we, how are we going to address that? How are we going to get to where we want to be and what's our roadmap, you know, uh, going down there. And, and that's what the booking committee should have been really helpful, helpful with because, but they had too many agendas. We got to take care of this guy. We got to take care of that guy. You know, this guy's underutilized that type of discussion. So it's just the, here, Conrad, uh, Conrad, uh, Casio, the, uh, issue is there, there, there became too many cooks in the kitchen mm -hmm. and all the cooks had a different recipe. They thought was the, the recipe to win the dish of the year. And it just so happened that most of those dishes, uh, were, uh, you know, uh, somewhat prejudiced. It's still the same shit. I got to get my buddy in. I promised this guy, this, or I promised that guy that. So it was just a very uncomfortable, awkward scenario that we all live through. Or at least, well, I guess we lived through it. That was my last show. So I don't know. <laughs> I guess I'd live through it or not. All right. Before we get out of here, let's get to uh, the fan questions. We always encourage you to interact with us at JR's barbecue at JR grilling is the podcast. Twitter. there. I'm of course at the Casio kid. First question, Michael Gavin Ali, AKA bad man wants to know, ask JR. Was your last pay-per-view with WCW a blessing in disguise, meaning thank God my run in WCW is coming to an end? It was a blessing in disguise in as much as it, it cleared the slate for me to go to WWE and work for Vince. And uh, that's something I had wanted to do. And I think most people will tell you the same thing if they're being honest, is that somewhere along the way of their journey, they need to work WWE. And I believe that mm -hmm. uh, total, for the total experience of being in pro wrestling. So yeah, it was, uh, I looked at it as a good thing. Once I got my, uh, 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 once I had my meeting with Vince in, uh, Augusta, Georgia, uh, standing out behind the arena for three hours, uh, I knew that my, the better days are on the way. I had no idea that I ended up becoming the senior vice president of talent relations or, or all of a sudden I would make my debut at WrestleMania nine. All those things are wonderful things for me to be able to, to participate in. But, uh, I'd say the biggest get was, was the fact that I, I got a new job. I was getting paid very well. And all of a sudden my role kept expanding and then it went away. So, but bottom line was, it was, it was a, it was a good move for me uh, as, a, as I think if you follow my career, it worked out real well. Keir Willow says, how many drinks did Dusty had before he came up with the battle ball rules? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Dream was pretty good at that kind of stuff, that off the wall stuff. And that might've been his, where Cowboy could have used him more strategically. You're going to, you're going to be able, you're going to, we're going to help. You're going to help name the title event. You're going to come up with a concept and this is for our, for this pay-per-view and instead of having him his finger on too many in too many pies. So I, I, I don't, I don't know how many cocktails he had, but if he did, it probably was a cold beer <laughs> at Peter D 67. He tweets us at Jr. grilling at Jr's barbecue. Ron Simmons beat Steve Williams by DQ two big power guys going at it for over 15 minutes is a DQ finish. We touched on this earlier. DQ finishes a way of protecting Dr. Death as he wasn't going to be the champion. 
If he didn't have his Japan commitments, would Dr. Death have been a brilliant champion? He might've been. Yeah. He might've been, if he had a good manager like Paul Heyman, Jim Cornette, that type thing. Uh, but uh, the, but for me, the, there was just, I, I would have had no interest in this finish that they did. As I pointed out earlier, uh, it's just unnecessary. It did nothing for either guy and how you can justify it being, well, it worked out pretty good. It didn't work out good at all. It helped neither fella. And, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go to my grave thinking that. Scumbags Canada tweets us. Could a battle ball work in 2023? If so, what changes would need to be made? Well, if it takes longer than 30 seconds to explain it, no, it wouldn't work because people have no <laughs> patience. Correct. It really wouldn't. So I don't know that it, I don't know that it would, it might, it might, but I'm not oversold that it would. Um, chef ABC 07 says, JR, do you consider Starcade as WCW's WrestleMania? Well, I think it started out that way. Then things begin to fade. But I think in the beginning, that was a goal. It seemed to me like that was the goal in the beginning. And you know, when you can go in there to Greensboro, which is where Starcade should have stayed. And, and taking advantage of a 20,000 seat arena that Michael Jordan played in. That's kind of where I would have headed and hung my hat. So, uh, but I, I think it started out that way. Casio. I don't know. I don't know that it ended that way. Joe mama. Nine Oh two one Oh says, what was the point of the king of cable? Make TVS happy. They're on cable. If you didn't notice, uh, Ted was a big proponent of uh, cable TV, made him a billionaire. So it was just tying back into Turner and, and, and giving them a hug basically. Uh, Yambag Jones says, JR, what would you say if you heard Tony Khan was booking a lethal lottery dynamite battle bowl? Well, I'd be interested <laughs> if I was booked to work it, which I don't know if that's going to happen, but nonetheless, uh, nothing. I would have no reaction. If I was assigned to work, I'd show up, I'd be prepared and I'd do it. Uh, or somebody else could do it. And I'm fine with that. Either of those things. Uh, I, I, I'm sure he wouldn't, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't think it's, it's a big deal. Uh, I don't look for it to happen either, but you never know with him. A wrestling historian says at grilling Jr. on our ad free shows website was Rick rude versus Ron Simmons going to end in a DQ as well. I don't remember, but knowing how, how stupid we were with finishes, it could have happened. <laughs> I mean, again, who would have helped, you know, right. if you, who would have, who would it have helped? Uh, I'll wait for the answer. Hold uh, my beer. Yeah. Uh, Alex Lisi hit us up on every shows. There's a lot of talent on the 1992 Starcade, yet there's no stories really being told. Did the lack of stories of eventually hurt Starcade 92. Absolutely. It's all about the stories. Nobody was over, over the stories are hitting this start and stop. Uh, it's not great. And we were trying to use talent that weren't ready for the opportunity. So, uh, yeah, it just, so there are guys booked that didn't need to be booked. 
And that's hard to say, you know, they got families, they got to buy their groceries. They got to pay their mortgage, all those things that we talk about here, but man, I don't know. I, I, I don't see it being a, it's just, it was weird. It was, that was a really, really strange time creatively. And, and like I said, guys that were being booked. So at, at some point on that card did not need to be on the card and it did the show no favors. Well, before we get out of here, just want to remind everybody next week, our buddy Conrad Thompson will be back with you. The first podcast of 2023, and you guys are going to look back 25 years ago, as many would say, the boom of the Attitude Era takes place. Royal Rumble 1998, Sean versus Taker in the casket match that changes everything. Mike Tyson, Steve Austin become the first person to win the Royal Rumble back-to-back. The three faces of Foley. Also, you guys were going to discuss the epic low mass raw where Shawn Michaels and Triple H took each other on for the European title. The tease of Kane and the Undertaker. Austin forfeits the IC title to The Rock. And the beginnings of Austin and Vince begins. Should be a fun little podcast next week, Mr. JR. Who hired all those guys? I think... One of the guys on the spot. It ain't me, buddy. Uh, before we get out of here, Grateful by Eric Bischoff is out. They booked by him and Guy Evans. Amazon or BischoffBook.com. It is available now, and the rave reviews are already coming in. So you can order your copy over at BischoffBook.com. Like, subscribe, leave a five-star rating on all the platforms wherever you are consuming this podcast. Give us that feedback. We'd appreciate it. Follow us on Twitter at JR's Barbecue, at Grilling, at JR Grilling. Of course, at Hey Hey, it's Conrad. We'll be back next week. Of course, follow us on Facebook, Jim Ross BBQ, and at Hey Hey, it's Conrad. Mr. Jim Ross, always an honor to talk to you. I appreciate you letting me pinch hit this week while Conrad is out of order. You did a great job. I appreciate Always enjoy visiting with you. Conrad's got to get his, uh, uh, Wi-Fi fixed and tight the 10 cups in the string. Yeah. That's a, Hey, I understand where he's coming from. You know, I, I stepped off the airplane, uh, in Oklahoma city after we did, uh, our TV in, uh, San Antonio. So I go San Antonio to Dallas, Dallas, Oklahoma city and a, and a morning flight. And I walk out the, uh, of the airport to get my ride. It was uh, four degrees. Woo. That's the, the real temp was four. I don't know what the windshield was, but it's well below zero. And I'm wondering, I said, you know, you live in Florida, you dumbass. What you, <laughs> how about weather on the eights? I might've helped you out here and make your travel weather plans. So, uh, and it, it, it really curtailed my visit because it was too cold to, to go out and do anything. Yeah. You know, it really was. I had lunch when I first got there. That's that day. I had lunch with coach Bob Stoops and a couple of our other buddies and had a cocktail or two. Uh, that was really fun and interesting because we talked football and things like that. Bobby's got a condo just down the street from where I'm sitting now. So he's, uh, he comes out every now and then we're still great friends. And, uh, I saw where his son's going to come back for his sixth year of eligibility. How about he's got that? A, yeah. And the, all, all the COVID stuff and all these other little things that come up, uh, uh Drake Stoops, uh, he's kind of like a Wes Welker kind of a kid. And, yeah. uh, 
I'm hopeful he'll uh, help us in our game uh, against Florida State. We shouldn't win this game, but maybe we will. And I'm 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 going. I'm driving down to Orlando uh, with the thought that we're going to go out there and play our hearts out, play hard, and win. And so uh, it's going to be a fun. And the weather's different than Oklahoma. It's supposed to be upper 70s. I'll take that. There it's you go. Fun stuff. You know, I just, I don't need much to keep me happy. Well, enjoy your bowl game, sir. Everyone, I hope you enjoyed this podcast with me pinch hitting. Everyone, enjoy your New Year's. Stay safe out there, and let's make 2023 incredible. Look forward to seeing how much bigger and better Grilling JR's podcast and the entire ad-free shows family is going to get. Mr. Jim Ross, it's an honor. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to another excellent episode of Grilling JR with the voice of wrestling, Mr. Jim Ross. And Boomer Center to everybody. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.